We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. This is the Resilient Schools podcast on the B Podcast Network. I am the creator, Jethro Jones. In this podcast, we help schools become resilient, which means that they are able to adapt and overcome any situation that presents itself. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Resilient Schools podcast. I am excited to have today Deborah Heiser, PhD, on the program. Deborah is the founder of the Mentor Project, which you can check out at mentorproject.org. They bring STEM mentors to schools and the community. She holds a degree in applied developmental psychology with a specialty in redefining what being older looks and feels like. She's a TEDx speaker, 92nd Street Y speaker. 100 coaches, adjunct professor, recognized by Thinkers 50, award-winning researcher, consultant, and coach. Deborah, I'm so excited to have you on the Resilient Schools podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a real pleasure and privilege. Well, thank you. The purpose of this podcast is really to help schools do the things that help them be resilient, which as Melissa Saden describes it is the ability to overcome and adapt. And so I think that having mentors is incredibly powerful. So I want to talk about the mentor project and how schools can access that and and bring it into their school. So tell us first an overview of what the mentor project is. Sure. The mentor project brings more than a hundred really top level um, experts in fields from science, technology, engineering, arts, math, finance, business, and law. And we also have added Olympians um, cool. who mentor kids K through, and I don't want to say kids, students K through university for free. And the level of our mentors is really quite remarkable. We have individuals who've done world-changing things. We have an astronaut. We have someone who was the lead on um, tech person for the mission to Mercury. We have the person who patented how we use credit cards on the internet. 
We have one of the fathers of the firewall. Our mentors are really amazing individuals who've done remarkable things and now want to give back. And we've made individuals like these that I've just mentioned accessible to everyone. So our goal is to level the playing field, to allow kids anywhere learn from our mentors and to be supported by our mentors and for free, which is in, in, our, in our world nowadays is just, it can be a game changer for uh, someone. Yeah, um, having access to someone who thinks so differently and has uh, experienced life in such a different way than so many people have. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of when I worked as a principal on Kodiak Island in Alaska. And these kids live on this island, a literal island, that makes your perception of the world very different. And because you're on an island, you think that you are isolated. And the beauty of technology means that you can get access to people from all over. But there on the island itself, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, like tech experts or things like that, but there are ways to give kids access to that. And our district worked really hard to make those kinds of things available. And I think that it's really important. I want to talk bigger picture about mentoring in general. Why is that so valuable as opposed to having like a guest speaker or a teacher? What's the difference between mentoring and those other types of approaches? A mentor is there to guide, inspire, and to support someone who can sort of help you out along the way. Whereas a teacher is someone who's teaching you something and that's completely valuable, but they're completely different things. Um, So a a teacher or someone else might bring in, Hey, here's a workshop. We're going to give you this workshop that may be applicable to seven out of 10 of the kids. And there are going to be three who, you know, really either, are so accelerated beyond that or have an interest in a different area that it's that need isn't getting met. A mentor can do that. So we don't replace teachers. A lot of people think, well, a mentor is, is a tutor or a teacher in some kind of a way. But what a mentor really does is they enhance what a person already has. It They ignite the passion that someone has. And they also are able to show people who've never seen, you don't know what you don't know. And mentors are often able to let people see, I had no idea I wanted to do this. I didn't even know this existed. That's what I want to do now. And then they can guide them so that they can do exactly what it was that they wanted to do. That's really where a mentor comes in. It's a great adjunct to great teachers. It's a great adjunct to a community we're really a great resource so i i think that if you are able to find mentors on your own then that's fantastic and definitely something that you want to do but that's not always possible and so the mentor project really connects kids with people that they probably wouldn't have access to otherwise right absolutely i also you know another thing is people think well i'll get a mentor and i'm good we should have mentors all over the place. And when I say that, most of us think of a lateral, a, a hierarchical mentor, you know, somebody two levels above us or an expert in an area. We should also be seeking lateral mentors. 
people who are beside us who have different skills that we, you know, that we don't have. So I have tons of lateral mentors. I'm not great at other aspects of doing certain things that I, that help me to do better at what I do. I reach out to those individuals. Like I mentioned before that I know, know Ruth Gotian. She, she helps me to organize myself, to get myself um, to look at things differently than the way that I look at them. She has a skill set that's completely different than mine. And I utilize that. So what we do with the Mentor Project is we are able to, if, a, if someone already has a passion, hook them up with somebody who's really great at that several layers up. If there's something that they can get exposed to that's new, they may say, wow, that's what I want to do. It may be that they are also going to be connecting with other students who are good at other things than they are. We see that in our hackathons, kids from different countries get together, different states, different areas around the country, and they're able to essentially become lateral mentors to each other, um, helping other kids understand concepts better and deeper and in a richer way. Yeah, and it's interesting as I as I get older and see how things in the world work, the lateral and vertical mentors that you mentioned are instrumental in helping people find success and do the great things that they want to do. And, you know, you think about where people went to college and who they associated with and how they got into a new job or a new role or whatever. And a lot of those things come because of those mentoring relationships. Um, are you familiar with the Conrad Challenge uh, contest? No, I'm not. Okay, we're going to need to talk more about that later. I'll briefly explain it here. Um, Pete Conrad was an astronaut, and his wife, after he passed, started the Conrad Challenge, which is a way to get kids to create and do these amazing things. And I think I'll, I'll connect you with Nancy after we're done here, because I think that there's a lot of overlap in what you're doing. And what they do is they, they have kids create this there are like five categories of different inventions that they can come up with. Some that involve space, some that involve climate, some that involve like getting people to stop smoking and different things. And it's this really fascinating, cool project that she runs every single year. And kids are, you know, creating new things. They have mentors and support as well. And that group of people, you know, when they win, they stay connected with all these other winners. Another one that I can think of is like the Truman Scholar Award. That act, that group is very active in continuing to be lateral mentors for each other. And it doesn't go away over time. And it's something that only gets stronger over time because of those affiliations. Now, can you talk about the Mentor Project and how you actually manage to service so many kids because that seems like a tall order. It is a tall order, but you know, when you have some of the brightest minds, they can accomplish a lot. We're really quite fortunate. So um, what we do is we're a mentor focused organization. So we know that we're going to really be able to serve mentees, but most organizations only have the mentee in mind. And because we're a mentor-focused organization, each one of our projects comes out of a passion from one of our mentors. So one of our mentors is really interested in advancing Robeson County, North Carolina, that school district. And it's, I think, the third poorest school district in the United States. So 
enhancing everything possible there is James Freeman's passion. So we've been working really hard to make sure that we can go into that school district and help, but he's the one who got us started. So we're not going out and saying, here, everyone fit into this model that we have. We have as many models as we have mentors because they're driving each of their passion areas. So Javier Francario from Argentina, he um, runs our hackathons. That's his passion. So he runs an international hackathon once a year. That's how we really are able to do it because these individuals know how to run things. You know, if you're an astronaut you and you can get yourself into space, you can run, you know, <laughs> a, a component of the mentor project. And that's really been the key to our success so far is that the mentors are taking their own passion and moving it forward. Yeah, I, I think that that's really cool and something that is uh, is so vital and something that I encourage educators to do all the time as well, that if you let your kids' passions drive them, then there's a lot of power in that because the behavior gets better, the work gets better, it becomes higher quality, kids learn deeper and faster with all that. Um, and so this is the same kind of thing with the mentors that you have that you basically uh, – approach them and say what do you want your focus to be and uh this gentleman from argentina whose name i already forgot sorry javier francario <laughs> javier francario he's into hackathons and so he wants to do that and give kids opportunities to do that um can you talk about the different events that you have and the different ways that you engage with kids and what that looks like uh we do have hackathons currently once a year um I think Javier is going to probably start running way more than that. He's a, a, a junkie for hackathons uh -huh. and he's amazing at it. So uh, we do have hackathons uh, where the students are able to, what we do is we pair them up with kids from other countries. So they are automatically meeting new people and they have to work on a team with people they don't know from other countries. And it's magical. The kids stay in touch. They do amazing things together. We also have um, Bob Cousins and Bill Cheswick, Bob Cousins is the 2020 Inventor of the Year. Uh, he has many patents, and he's the guy who patented how we use credit cards on the internet. He and Yura Zebus, our patent attorney, and Bill Cheswick all have been working with uh, students to patent. So if a student comes in and they say, hey, I have a great idea, they'll help them patent for free. So that is tends to be an individual one-on-one um, -on -one, uh, meeting that they'll do to, in order to teach them how to do that. Um, that's been quite successful for us. Eitan Gotian has already gotten two in one year with us. Wow. Um, he's a genius. Let's watch for his name. You'll probably be hearing about it. He's, he's amazing. And we also in Robeson County worked with um, Embedded Ventures, and we were able to bring 8-bit computers to the classroom for students. They were able to learn how to build the 8-bit computers using Twitch. And then from that, we were able to bring in a National STEM Honor Society chapter there and keep moving forward with bringing in new and uh, new other adventurous projects there. Another thing we do is our mentors give talks in schools, especially in elementary schools that they particularly love this, where they talk about their field. And Neil Cummins, who is an astrophysicist, mm -hmm. talks about what would happen if there wasn't a moon 
um, and things that kids really resonate with. So he does that every year. Um, we've had finance talks where we get adorable letters where they say, oh, we, we want to be near money now. Um, <laughs> kids are really cute. And we also do, we just did a very large partnered conference with, I think, 70 universities from around the world and about 700 uh, registrants. And that was pretty exciting. That was for college students on entrepreneurship. We also do mini masterminds where students can get on and learn from someone and do rapid breakout rooms. We've done LinkedIn courses with partners, Indeed courses with partners. But I think that some of our most exciting things that the kids and the most accessible and easy are bringing our mentors to meet with the students and then they can dialogue afterwards, ask whatever questions they'd like. Most of those end up leading to students wanting to do more or it's really trying to reach those few kids. You know, if you have seven out of 10 who are resonating with what's going on in the classroom and three who are just really in need of a little bit more, those kids immediately gravitate to us. And then they start asking questions of our mentors and getting more involved. We just added, uh, we have an, an artist. He's going to be going to Tanzania to teach art there. And he just picked up an animation student mm. from a school. So we're pretty much all over the place. Wherever our mentors are, we are. Yeah, that's great. And I, you know, one of the things that I've seen a lot in schools are kids who are uh, writers, for example, and the, the way that they teach writing in school, these kids are like already blowing past that. Like my daughter, for example, is, uh, I can already tell that she has this natural ability to be a good writer and she actually likes it and really enjoys it. And her teacher is like, you gotta, you gotta turn this writing in, you know, you can't keep, you can't go on 18 pages. <laughs> and, and she did that <laughs> once and wrote way too much and turned it in late because she was writing so much and she just couldn't finish the story. And then it ended up that she totally missed the whole point of the story uh, of the writing prompt because she was so involved in writing her own story about it. Um, and you know, it's just far and above better than what my middle school students were writing, and she's only in, in fourth grade. Before we move on, let's hear from our sponsors. One, do you have anybody working on writing? And two, how do you find the new mentors when you need a new mentor for, uh, for a specific area? Or do you do it backwards? You find a mentor and then you find students. So what we do is we have an ask a mentor button. So students reach out to us and they say, I'd like a mentor to help me. This is how the student who is um, going to be getting art um, guidance from one of our mentors, he wrote in and said, hey, I need, I, I need to ask some questions. Uh, the teacher said he, the student is so far advanced that he's not able to help him anymore. And so that's where we have someone in terms of writing, we have the editor at large from Psychology Today, who's one of our mentors. We have um, Robin Colucci, who works with all sorts of top um, authors. And we have plenty of other writers. Bruce Lee is, um, he has more than 70 million views on Forbes. Um, we have wow. other um, writers. So one of our uh, mentees 
um, Elise Kane, uh, started out doing all podcasts for us. And now she said, I want to write. So she does blogs for us. And she adds those to our site. And that's an opportunity for her to have her writing outlet. Um, and it's also a way to get someone to read her work and say, hey, yeah, this is great. Or maybe you could edit in this format. But really, it's a perfect outlet for students. So those are certain, those are certainly things that can be worked on. Um, even with kids as young as fourth grade. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that kids can do amazing things when given the opportunity. And that's one of the things I love about education. Um, so I want to talk about the impact that having a mentor has. And because this podcast is about resilient schools, how does having a mentor help kids overcome and adapt to challenges that they face? Well, the one great thing about mentorship is you can be vulnerable with a mentor. They're not grading you. They're not giving you tests. They're not, they're there to bring out the best in you or to help you to see the parts of you that you can expand upon. And while that can happen in the classroom, this goes beyond that. So what most students find is that they're able to really, if they have their foot in an area that they're getting passionate about, they're able to leap forward because they're able to go far beyond what is even available in some schools, particularly tech things. So for example, with Eitan, he, he was sitting in his basement during the middle of the pandemic and his school wasn't able to help him. They didn't know how to get him to patent his idea. And what kid can afford to hire a patent attorney to help yeah. them? Um, who would even know where to go? How do you know how to trademark? What do you copyright? What, when do these things happen? Adults don't know this. So the, the way that mentors can work is they can open up the eyes of their mentee and they can say, you can do this. So once you know how to do something, you can go do it on your own, whether that's writing, whether that's patenting your idea, whether that's learning a new form of tech or a new kind of math or art, whatever it may be, a mentor is able to help a student who may be struggling in an area and there's no one there that is able to ignite their passion. What's existing there isn't what their passion is. If you're in a school that doesn't have art, you may not be able to have that ignited for you. If you're a student that doesn't have a lot of technology, and you can get access to somebody who can walk you through um, a form of technology that you're able to utilize where you are, then that might be what gives you the leg up to move forward in that area. So we're really able to change lives. And that's what mentoring does is it takes you from where you are and it, you're allowed to go as far as you want, as fast as you want, or as slow as you want. That's what a mentor does. And the other good thing is, you know, people think I've got a mentor. That's the one I have to stick with forever. And you don't have to. We have 100. Yeah. You know, go pick. One person went hopping. You know, he said, I, I want to be a hospital administrator one day. Um, so he talked with somebody about DEI. He spoke with another person about hospital administration issues. He decided to ask people all sorts of different things. And he needed just one time with each. Now he can always come back. But it was, he was able to get what he needed each time. So mentorship can be a one-off or it can be in-depth. And I think people, if they realize that resiliency 
doesn't have to be holding a person's hand all the way through. It might just be a whisper in an ear to say, you got this. And that can really elevate a person. Yeah. One of my mentors suggested that I read a book and that was pretty much the only interaction we had was go read this book. And once I read the book, I got clarity and understanding on different things and was able, I didn't ever have to go back to her again because she told me what book to read and that was all I needed. And that I'm eternally grateful to her, but I don't, she also showed me that I, she wasn't the right person for me by reading this book, right? That I needed to go find someone else. And, and I'm keeping that intentionally vague because that can happen for so many different things, right? And I, and I wouldn't want to pigeonhole someone into thinking, well, that worked in this situation, but it wouldn't work in this other situation because it certainly can. And I think there's a lot of, a, a lot of power in that, that it doesn't have to be ongoing forever and that it could be, I just needed to get set on the right path. Absolutely. And a person can have many mentors all at the same time. I know I do. Yeah. And you grow, grow mentors. It's not like you get to a certain level and you're like, okay, I'm good. We have mentors all through our life. It doesn't matter how old you are. You are, you probably have a mentor and you may not even realize it. But um, the, the point is to have as many as you need. And as long as we know how to find them and that, that it's safe to ask a person for advice, you know, that you don't have to feel like you're burdening someone so many people who don't seek a mentor because they think that they're going to be a bother, that they must be so busy that they couldn't possibly, I would be taking away from their time that is so precious to them. And that's just not the case. Most of it is just a shyness or a reservation about asking people or, oh my goodness, that person's famous. I can't talk to them. Yeah, you can. They want to hear from you. Yeah. And everybody loves talking about what they're super passionate about. Right. <laughs> and so they're like, you know, you go to somebody about some, some topic that they're an expert in, of course they want to talk about it because they're an expert in it and they, they love sharing their knowledge and they've devoted their life to learning about it. I, I have that a similar reaction every time somebody asks me about uh, doing a podcast and I love creating podcasts. I love sharing information with people and you know, I am always happy to talk about that with just about anybody because I've done so many at this point that I know how to do it well and make it meaningful that people actually want to listen to it. And And I love talking to other people about it. And it's one of those things that I, I, I haven't charged anybody for it yet and because I just like doing it. <laughs> and so, like, it's it's I don't want it to become... A, a financial thing because I want to just share what I know with people. And, and it's an interesting thing that um, I, I think everybody should have a podcast just to help them get their ideas out there in whatever format they can. And so that's my belief. So I want to help as many people do that as possible. The last thing I want to ask is when someone is choosing a mentor, either through the mentor project or on their own, what kinds of qualities should they look for or what kind of steps should they take beforehand to find that mentor? First, um, someone looking for a mentor should assess how they will be as a mentee because that's key. Most people think, what qualities should I be looking for in somebody else? It's a relationship. And people need to say, what am I offering? Am I just looking to take? 
um, because most mentors also want to be, well, every mentor wants to have a, be a part of a relationship. Somebody just calls and says, hey, give me all your information. That's not really a great interaction. So the first thing I always say is come in seeing yourself as part of a relationship. There are two people involved and what are you bringing into this that's going to make it so that the mentor is also engaged. And um, so that may not mean that you have to come in with the exact question, but being aware that there's somebody else there that you're getting information from is very important. Once that is established, that you're ready to go in and do that, the thing that you should look for with a mentor is someone who you feel comfortable with talking to. You know, everybody has a different person that they feel comfortable with. They, you can just see when you resonate with somebody right away. I like to think of it like going to a dentist. Some people love some dentists and some people don't, but, you know, so you find the one that works for you. Um, so if you start to see that you're not really resonating with a mentor, go find a different one. You don't have to make it work with everyone. Um, it's, it's just like having a friend. You can't force a friendship. Um, so the one thing, the one advice I can give is look at mentorship as a relationship. It's a two-way street and both the mentor and the mentee are equally important in the relationship. Yeah. It can be challenging to think that when you are a student, for example, and there's not much that you feel like you can bring to that relationship. So what are the things that mentors value in that? I imagine one of them would be that if I give you advice, you're going to actually go do it and follow through and let me know that you did or something along those lines. But what are the things that mentors are looking for that say, yes, I should want to work with that person, even though they're a student and don't have a a lot of things that everybody else would say they can bring to the table. So what mentors have been saying lately is that they want people who are curious, um, people who aren't just looking for an answer. So they aren't saying, hey, can I have the answer to this? They don't want the mentor to just do it for them. So they're curious. They want to learn from the person. Um, it feels really good when you're a mentor and somebody's interested in what you have to say and they're curious about it and want to learn more. That's felt by the mentor. Um, so that in itself is very important. Also going into it with the idea that um, I am carrying this person's knowledge. I am the keeper of this knowledge. It's important. What am I going to do with that? How can I show the mentor that I'm doing something with that knowledge? So if you're a student, you know, um, say, let's take Aton or Elise. Aton went out and he did another patent. That made them feel really great. He not only took in what they learned, but he wanted to go do it again. He felt that passion and he was able to go back to them and say, can we do this again? And I'd like more of this. That made them feel great. So he is he receiving? Yes. But he's showing them how important it was to him. And he did go forward. He did something with it. Um, another thing that a person can do, even if it's just a one-off, is to say, hey, I to, to sort of digest it and, and give the information back to say, hey, here's what I just learned. Or here, is this what you're saying? Here's what I'm hearing. So that it feels more like an active participant. And um, we've been able to see that with very young kids who've been able to articulate, I learned something from you, or this, I'm going to go try this, I'm excited by this, 
these are the sort of things that you may feel like they don't, they aren't much, but they really are. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, uh, it, it's not a big thing, but it's an important thing. And it may be a very small, I'm excited about this, or I'm going to implement what you said. Uh, but that determination and that decision means a lot. So, uh, Deborah, this was a great conversation. I appreciate you being part of Resilient Schools. Um, if you are listening and you're interested in this, mentorproject.org is where you go. There's a Ask a Mentor in the top right-hand corner. So go ahead and click that and submit your questions. Um, and then certainly uh, reach out to Deborah with, for more information on getting these mentors working with your kids. And Deborah, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure being here. Thank you so much. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE.